You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Um, this morning, uh, first of two parts, we'll be heavy on uh, images today. I didn't know what I was going to do until um, yesterday morning. Um, special thank you to Carrie. You got me thinking about this a couple of months ago. Um, uh, heavy on the images today, um, a lot of art, in other words, uh, and then next week we'll look at some verse, I guess you'd say, a bunch of hymns, probably listen to a couple. Um, I have Bob Dylan in my head, along with um, with Annie Lennox, uh, we'll look at that some next week, and a few other things. These classes, I love doing them, these Christmas classes, I kind of think about it for several weeks beforehand, um, so I have more than I know I'm going to get through, so we'll see how it ends. I'm always, uh, I heard Robert Smith say, okay, I'm looking for my exit, and I'm already looking for my exit even as I start, um, just to see where we go. So that was really just the first couple of minutes for everybody to kind of settle in and get used to my voice. So now let's pray. Here's Cramner's prayer. We'll pray this as our prayer. Um, the first prayer for the, uh, or the, the prayer for the first Sunday of Advent. Um, Advent, our church, um, what you would say our titular season, if you want to impress your friends, um, title. Um, we're not churches like St. Mary's or St. Peter or St. Saint, Saint Jude or something else like that. We're a season, um, and so we have not our patron saint, but our, our, our titular season, our title season. Advent coming. Um, there's two Advents. Um, Andrew preached on this a couple of weeks ago. Those two remarkable stained glass windows on either side of the table, Christ first coming. That's, of course, what we think of with Christmas. Um, but his second coming, um, when he'll come again to reign, uh, your kingdom come, which is uh, on our shield in Latin. Um, uh, everything's in Latin, of course. Uh, the second coming of Christ, when he comes to judge the quick and the dead, as we pray in the creed. And so those are the two Advents, and Cramner saw that as he was just starting, as Advent is the first, it's the new year of the church. And so his new year's prayer, as it were, he wants to hold our... Um, the two Advents, Christ coming in humility and then Christ coming in majesty. Um, Christ coming before we die and then Christ coming uh, either to raise us from the dead or to uh, for those that will be, be alive when he comes again, uh, finally and fully and for the last time when all time stops, um, where outside of death they will, uh, uh, all of us will then live forever. So Christ, I mean, Cramner has this in mind, and this is a good, this is Christmas. Christmas holds these two realities always at the same time. Better, maybe it's two lenses. And so when you look at Christmas through the lens of the two advents of Christ coming in humility as a baby, um, but then Christ coming to reign from the clouds or wherever else we're going to say, that's usually the image that we have. Um, the rider on the white horse with a name upon his thigh that only he knows, really crazy language that Revelation uses, I think it's Revelation 18, when he comes finally and fully, we look at his coming, uh, even at Christmas, um, through that lens. And so here's, here's the way Cramner did it in the economy of two sentences in a form of a prayer. Almighty God, give us grace that we may cast away the works of darkness and put upon us the armor of light. Now, in this mortal life, in which, the Son, in which thy Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day, so when he comes again, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the quick and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal 
through him who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, now and forever. Amen. So, kind of set the tone. Um, this is the whimsical slide. Uh, last time we were whimsical, trying to put a little bit in there. You know, just some uh, a lot of repetition, by the way, from years past, if you followed this class. But um, the way we sometimes think of Christmas, I think a little bit sanitized. Even I'm sorry, y'all can't see. Um, um, uh, uh, a very um, Anglo, um, uh, and there'll be some contrast to that later. Very, 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 very sanitized, very clean, very much the way that we would want to from our our positions of comfort. Sort of imagine what the Holy Family, the first the, the, the Mary, jo- Mary Joseph, and, and Jesus might have looked like. Jesus is the reason for the season. I'm not going to hit this hard, but that's not true. You're the reason for the season, actually. Your sin, my sin, is the only reason. Remember the two advents? The only reason God comes into the world, you know, incarnate in, uh, in human flesh. Um, believe in the magic of Christmas. Believe. You're walking around shopping. Um, it's obvious. We're, you know, everybody's telling us to believe now. I mean, you can buy all sorts of things. It has the verb, the command, believe. Not really sure what that is. But to believe something in the magic, I guess, of Christmas, this idea of, I love Scrooge, um, you know, the Bill Murray um, interpretation, it still, it holds up really, really well. But it's something like that, that I get it now, I get it now, which he doesn't. If we can only be nice one day a year, you know, believe in the magic of this, I guess that's what it is. Hopefully, by the end of the hour, by the end of 30 minutes, look at what I think is a, that's an evaporated message. Um, For a few of us, maybe... If we're coming from a, a position of relative comfort, it's been an okay year that we can sort of muster that up and sort of end a good year on a high note with that kind of of uh, of hope. You know, it's like, hey, let's just all believe in the magic. It's been a good year. You know, God's going to continue to bless us. We sort of sprinkle him on top of it. But for those of us that are not quite in that place, what if it's not been a good year? What if uh, everybody else is doing great financially, but somehow you missed the boat or... You're uh, uh, somebody's in the hospital, or you're going to be in the hospital. We don't know what the next two weeks are going to be like. Um, or you're very aware of not who's here, but who's not here. And just to sort of, you know, believe, believe. It's like, eh, I don't think, I think that's an evaporated word. I think it's a neutered word at best, um, and maybe even a harmful word for some of us. Um, so just to look at all this, to climb in, um, what is this Christmas um story about um, some of the themes that I'm thinking of that I think are present in in uh, in the two advents in Christ coming into the world uh, to save sinners uh, as we think about God coming that I'm the reason for the season my sin is the reason that God said I'm going in I'm going into enemy occupied territory as C.S. Lewis would describe it he didn't do it because he thought you know it's just going to be a nice sort of little trip for me to go down there and sort of visit. Um, He did it for a really intentional reason. Um, All these different words might use to to, to evoke, I hope, a little bit of what's going on. Um, Longing, sadness, fulfillment, pain, nostalgia, blood, hope, redemption, sin, proclamation, ordinariness, the very ordinary way that Christ comes into the world, hiddenness, We'll talk about that a lot today, especially if we think about the little town of Bethlehem. Resurrection, certainty, wonder, fear, worship, outrage, especially Herod, and then confusion. <laughs> How 
could this happen to me? I'm 14 years old and I'm not, I'm not even married. You're telling me I'm pregnant? You know, uh, uh, all of that. It's a very emotional time. Everything kind of gets pulled tight on a string. So the Annunciation, going to kind of follow Luke uh, in his story at the end of, uh, uh, at the beginning of his gospel, Luke 1 and part of Luke 2. What's typically called the Annunciation, we're going to look at three images, one called El Greco, you'll see. Um, uh, Spanish painter. Um, still, um, love his, and we'll look at a couple of others too. His are very tall, very elongated, very vertical, you know, pulling the transcendent with the exaggerated um, uh, fingers and feet and arms and legs uh, with the vibrant colors, kind of about 1600, 1620, I think is when he was painting. This is the Annunciation. Mary, Mary's typically, you know, uh, associated with blue. We'll look at a different contrast of that in just a minute. Mary reading, uh, which she wouldn't have been doing. Um, <laughs> Mary reading, being interrupted, kind of a burning bush. You know, her purity being symbolized there with the angel Gabriel coming and uh, and capturing. I like I like El Greco. I especially like a couple of things we've had in a little bit with a shepherd's visit. But just to get a sense of of, uh, of the story visually, because here's how Luke tells it. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel uh, was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will have no end. And, the main, and Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said unto her, The the Holy Spirit will come upon you. There's the dove. um, uh, And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. That's John the Baptist. And and, And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Whenever I read that, I think of, um, was it just the Beatles or was it just John Lennon? Let it be. That's the Beatles, wasn't it? So that's where they get that, the whole let it be unto me. They, they, they nick that and brought with let it be. So here's El Greco's, which, as I mentioned, I like okay. Um, but this is a great uh, image. Um, what's his name? Uh, Henry Asawa. Tanner, an African-American artist in a, uh, who lived in Philadelphia right at the turn of the century, the 19th to 20th century. The angel, just a bar of light. Um, and here's Mary, contrasted to, you know, sort of Mary in blue. It's got sort of, you know, it's very religious feeling. Um, uh, Tanner was trying to make it a little bit more ordinary, a little bit more like 14-year-old girl, 15-year-old girl. She's in her room. It wouldn't have been this nice. Uh, but coming in there, this is where the, some of the tension, I think, is held a little bit more, at least to my way of thinking, um, helpfully. 
confusion, disbelief, wonder, awe, reverence, uh, on the verge of saying, okay, but I have no idea what I'm saying okay to. Um, what does this mean to be found by God? Which is not a good thing, especially you know, outside of God incarnate where we can approach Him. Up until this point, would not have been good news to say, like, God wants to see you. <laughs> they would have said, like, no, <laughs> this is not good. So she has that, all this sort of covering. Or then one other, sort of a modern art, um, a, uh, uh, I think he's an Austrian artist, um, uh, Kokoschka. You might know him, Impressionist. I like this. I've liked it for several years, where it just sort of holds because it's so confusing. Holds some of that tension that I mentioned earlier with the nostalgia, the ache for home, but you're not really sure what uh, you're aching for. Terror held with joy. Uh, awe held with fear. Worship held with revulsion, where the angel almost in this form of an old woman touching the womb of Mary, who you can't tell. Is she pushing away? Is she sort of, you know, she's got the push-pull thing going. Um, it's just very dynamic with all the motion that I think evokes probably the sense of the Annunciation, that now Mary has been marked, as Simeon would say, uh, forever, where a sword is going to pierce her soul. What a burden to be given the... Uh, responsibility of being the God-bearer. Mary, you know, sympathetic figure. Um, so one thing to sort of draw us in a little bit to Christmas um, through the two lenses of, uh, of Advent. Continuing in Luke, um, we'll begin to see the census in Bethlehem um, where they move on. So the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, this is Luke one, 2, verses 1 through 5. In those days, this is the Linus passage, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all, no, this isn't quite Linus, is it? Um, uh, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was in the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. So the story, which is familiar to all of us, um, Bethlehem, O little town of Bethlehem. Um, uh, Phillips Brooks hymn, I think 1865. An Episcopal minister, in fact, became later a bishop. Um, so we have a connection to him in that way as well. But this is the artist Peter Bruegel. Um, he's got some really interesting pieces where he sort of took... Uh, typical winter scene in the Netherlands at the time that he was alive and sort of superimposed the story of Mary and Joseph coming uh, to to uh, to be registered because they were told to do so. Now, you'd be forgiven if you couldn't find Mary and Joseph down here. Mary, you know, with the bull sort of at the center uh, with his eyes coming, and Joseph, the carpenter, you can barely see the axe. I mean, you can almost just not tell at all who you're looking at amidst all the other hustle and bustle. you got children playing games, people who are sick. This is a leper's house with a cross right there. The kind of perspective, I guess, goes on this V pattern where it's got sort of the church and Christmas Eve and it's coming down to them and it goes back up with the, the ruins. And so a little bit of a Reformation sort of take on that, that the new is replacing the old. But everybody's moving towards 
the uh, uh, the, the political house uh, to get enrolled here um, uh, with some taxation thrown on top. So it's a little political commentary as well. But just to hold this and thinking about Phillips Brooks's hymn, Old Little Town of Bethlehem, to think about just how ordinary life was as it went on as Mary and Joseph are making their way just like everybody else to this strange command to go back to the city of your fathers. Uh, so they had to travel, which was very dangerous. And it didn't matter what was going on. She's, you know, eight months pregnant, nine months pregnant, almost ten months pregnant. Uh, and it doesn't matter. Time to go. And so she hops on uh, the, the, the mule or whatever, and they, uh, and they travel. And so here they are traveling. And we think about this. Um, I want to sort of think about the, the hiddenness of God, where especially in his incarnation, in his birth, and then at his crucifixion, at the cross. It is not at all obvious. It is not at all obvious what is going on in the midst of the ordinariness of life. Another birth, just like billions and billions and billions, uh, in a forgotten place, Nazareth. Nobody interesting came from Nazareth to Bethlehem, O little town. It's not Jerusalem. It's not St. Petersburg. It's not Washington, D.C. It's Bethlehem, this sort of sidebar in a backwater, uh, oh, little town. Uh, and then the crucifixion, of course. We're going to get there before the day ends as well, where it's not at all obvious what in the world is going on. Um, lots of people throughout history have been executed, murdered in brutal ways. Crucifixion was not unique. Thousands and Tens of thousands of people have been crucified. But there was something that was going on, uh, God working in a very hidden way. Um, so those who have the eyes to see and the ears to hear would then recognize that this birth and that death were utterly unique, and it turned time. And that's what Bruegel, I think, wants to sort of begin to have us appreciate, where it just paints in his day, his modern world of a cold winter, in, uh, in, in, in Flanders, or wherever this is, uh, in a cold December day in Birmingham, in a cold December day in Bethlehem. God working in this hidden way. And here's Phillips Brooks's words, kind of describe this. One way to think of this um, short hymn, I like to set these up so that when we're here on Christmas Eve singing them, maybe one of these things will sort of trigger a, a thought. Um, Bethlehem, O little town of Bethlehem. Brooks is, is, is personifying the city. How still we see thee lie, city. Do you not know what's happening in you, Bethlehem? Do you see what's going on? The Lord is coming to be born in you, Bethlehem. And then that's us. Bethlehem is also the metaphor. As he personifies Bethlehem. That's also us. You know, in us uh, is... God approaching in this place of our hearts. O little town, O little heart, uh, how still we see thee lie, these dark streets and the dark recesses of your sinful heart. So with that metaphor, with that image in mind, here's, here's his first two verses. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by, yet... In thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. 
The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. How silently, how silently, the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, in our hearts of sin, where meek souls will receive him, still the dear Christ enters in. So i got to hustle here. Um, oh, little town. Not big, not grand, not obvious, not the Taj Mahal, not one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. A little backwater, forgotten, uh, hole in the wall, otherwise completely forgettable. There, the Lord says, I rest. There, the Lord says, I dwell. There, the Lord says, I choose. You, 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 least and little, and last, and in fact, dead in your trespasses and sins. There is where I rest. I have a preference for the dead, the lost, the least, and the little. Uh, How still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Dead in our trespasses and sins. We talked about class I just did. Some of y'all were in there. This idea of a graveyard being the sleeping place, a dormitory, uh, a, a hotel, as it were, waiting and waiting and waiting. Certainly an Advent theme of waiting for the coming, where this metaphor of sleep being the, meta- or, uh, the reality of our death. Um, above that deep and dreamless sleep, in the middle of our death in our trespasses and sins, the silent stars go by. Yet, that's the but God, but God who is rich in mercy. Uh, uh, but uh, but now um, I come, he says. Uh, in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee. In Bethlehem are right here in the heart where Solzhenitsyn, who suffered you know whatever in the gulags, said you know the, that that line between good and evil, between light and dark, runs right through each of our hearts. Right there, right there at the border. That's where Christ is entering in. That's where he says, I'm here and I'm at work. Uh, I'm not waiting for you to get better. Right in the middle of your brokenness, your longing, your dislocation, your alienation, you are forgotten amidst the hustle and the bustle. That's where I am. That's Christmas. Um, So that's Bruegel. Uh, Continuing through Luke, I would say, um, interrupt me, but we got a little bit more to go through, so I'm going to keep going. Um, uh, then we come to the actual birth, where uh, they've moved through, uh, and, and they make it through Bethlehem, and then picking up in verse 6. Uh, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him, them in the inn. And so another one that I've liked for a long time, um, Albrecht Altdorfer, uh, where, especially in this period, unusual because <coughs> look, it's almost like it's, it's, it's rubble. It's almost like it's been a bombed out house, which wouldn't have happened then, but it's just this, this uh, dilapidated house where it was abandoned. And so, of course, that's where Mary and Joseph could go stay because there was no place else for them to go. They went where there was no one else wanted to be. And that's where there was space for the Lord to be born. 
so within this place um, of uh, of remembering that that God comes to the place where no one wants to be. Again, I'm reminded of Frank Limehouse's great story, where was a, I don't know how old he was, but but a parishioner's father died Christmas morning. So the phone rings at you know, 7 a.m. something like that. Um, uh, I don't know the details, so let's just make this up. Somebody says Frank so and so died. It's like okay, I'll go to the hospital. Tells Jane I got to go. So he leaves Christmas morning. He didn't want to be there, but neither does the family whose father just died in the hospital. Um, walks in there and it was kind of, you know, tangential uh, parishioner or something else like that. Understandably angry. You know, here I am Christmas morning. My dad just died. Uh, you know, forgive him his uh, his shortness with the minister. Kind of with a snide remark, uh, tells Frank, "Well, come on, preacher. What do you want to tell me now?" You know. Remembering, like, believe, you know, Jesus, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. Believe in the magic of Christmas. And come on, preacher, what do you want to tell me now? And Frank, who who could just be inspired sometimes, I hope you're listening, um, uh, said, "Unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord." That's a word. <laughs> Dear Christ enters in the forgotten places, the bombed out places, the places you don't want to be. The middle of death, your dad just died, it's Christmas. Come on, preacher, tell me a word. Well, here's the word. Here's a word from God to you, unto you, born this day, this day, the eternal now, in the city of David. This is your Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Outdoor forgets this, where in the forgotten spot of a bombed out, building that nobody else wants to be there the dear christ enters in dare we believe it you know the hopes and fears both held in tension are met right here in the tonight and we think about that um i gotta find a way out uh um so some jarring spots same sort of theme the place where god uh uh, again, contrasting to the very Anglo, very clean, very sanitized, no blood, very, you know, sort of nice. Uh, if if we needed to imagine, what would it be like? Um, I don't know who this person is or if she's at all. She's just this great image. I loved it because it, she, sells, she calls it Nativity Mississippi Delta, where it's this two teenage kids with a little boy. Um, not what you would think of, but it'd be something like that. Um, the story in Birmingham, you know, a, a viaduct to Hispanic family or something like that. Maybe I don't. I don't know. What would it be like? Something like that. It wouldn't be you or me. Wouldn't they? Wouldn't come to the advent. And I don't know that. I mean, but, um, and I love. That's not against us, but just to think beyond ourselves. Laid in a manger. That's just a wooden. No, it's probably just stone carved out so some water or maybe some seed wouldn't fall out. And that's where they laid him. So it's something like a box. You know, that's kind of what's going on. The places where he wouldn't we wouldn't expect is where God is. Words that are usually held for uh, Holy Week, I think fit this. Um, Isaiah 53. Um, uh, whereas before, in 52, um, Isaiah starts this prophecy, this, this, this last of the suffering servant songs, as they're called. Awake, awake, which is behold, what the angels say. 
It's the words of repentance, of, of uh, I'm pouring into your ears life. This isn't information. This is the very word of God coming into you. Awake, awake, arise, O sleeper, and wake, as Paul would say. And then later in Isaiah, the first part of 53, he says, Who hath believed our report? Who would believe this? That this is how the Lord comes in. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Certainly not somebody like this. And then Isaiah doesn't let up. He says, For he, the Lord, the one who is to come, who has now come, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as the root out of dry ground. For he hath no form... This is the King James, just because it sounds better. For he hath no form nor comeliness. Uh, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. And he was despised. We esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Remarkable to hold the advents together, the revelations of God together, the incarnation and the crucifixion, the work, the hidden work of God being made known to us, to us, who hear the words, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. It's not who we expect, but when we see him and behold him, uh, we fall on our knees and we worship. Uh, as did the shepherds. Um, I'm going to pass this. I'm great William Blake. Um, more El Greco. And this is really one I just want to go to. Um, he had two of these. This is the one in the Prado in Madrid, um, uh, where, again, the elongated, you can't help but go up when you see these. Um, I haven't seen these in person, but they're, they're enormous. They're kind of like Rubens, where they'll take the whole wall in the museum, where uh, especially this guy, I mean, wow, talk about a man crush. I mean, look at him. Uh, the shepherds come, and the light that's all there, and you can see the light proceeding not from above but from from the Christ child himself um, but if you've got a close eye you'll see a similarity in this painting as well which is painted just before the other one this one's in New York at the Met similar idea um, different different setting completely but the adoration of the shepherds coming to the Christ child where again the uh, the, the, the light which proceeds from the Christ child but look did you notice the lambs the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world, bound hand and feet upon him, the chastisement for the Lord is laid upon him, the iniquity of us all. We're now the Lamb of God, um, uh, the unused day. Same size, same white. It's very striking. One of my favorite paintings of all time by a guy named Zuraban, um, Francisco de Zuraban. Uh, just called Unused Day, the Lamb of God. John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin somehow. Uh, Behold, remember, awake, awake. These are the words of God. No parables, no ambiguity. Pouring the word of God straight into your ear. Awake, O sleeper. You who are dead, receive life. The Lamb of God 
who takes away the sin of the world, who takes away your sin so that you may have life. And they're held. El Greco, it's remarkable that he did this. Um, the bound lambs. The only thing the shepherds brought was one lamb, so El Greco says, to bring him for us. So why would I end here? Um, Nikolai Gay, um, this is that, that, that great interchange between Pilate and, uh, and Jesus, um, uh, where Pilate says, uh, what is truth? Which is where he calls us towards the end, right before you know, the, the, the monkey court at like five in the morning before Jesus was crucified. Um, uh, Pilate, all strength, what is truth? And Jesus back here in the shadows. Uh, uh, Why well, I thought of this, because he comes through where uh, the question resides through the centuries for each one of us to reckon with who is this man who forgives sins? Who is this man? that even the winds and the, the seas obey him. Who is this man? What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Who is this whom angels greet with anthems sweet uh, and the shepherds watch are keeping? Behold, this child, nails, spears shall pierce him through the cross he bore for me, for you. Hail, hail. The Word made flesh, the babe, now the man, the son of Mary, the son of God. Um, Pilate later says, uh, Do you not know that at my word I could release you? And what must Jesus have been thinking? Um, <laughs> do I not know? Do you not know who I am? And it's the question for each of us. Do you know? Do you know him? Um, hail, hail, the Word made flesh. Hail, hail, uh, uh, word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. Not to come so we can believe in the magic of Christmas, but squarely as the Lamb of God who came for your sin, for mine. So the dislocation, the alienation, the separation, the pain, the ache, the sorrow, with all of which he's well acquainted this Christmas, um, every day, our lives will live freely. Um, because of what he's done, because of who he is for you. Um, so we'll continue that next week as we then speak. What's then the, the response? And I want to sort of set that up. Hopefully we'll go to Dylan, where it's just, oh, come, all you faithful. Because after that sort of displacement happens, what else is there except to come and, uh, and adore him? And we'll, we'll be there. I'm sure we'll backtrack a little bit, but we will be there. But... Um, Pause. Minute or two. Thoughts. A lot of art. A lot of lot of lot of images. So questions, comments. I wouldn't have thought this was a Christmas picture, but who knew? Let me pray. Thank you, Lord, for your wondrous word and work. Um, be with us. Go with us. Uh, being for us. And, uh, and help us, Lord, to, to reckon with your word to us. Uh, Christmas, um, where uh, you have our attention in a, in a particular way, um, where, where, uh, where feelings are felt and where there's, a, there's camaraderie or there's a loneliness that's, uh, that's sometimes happening at the same time. Lord, be there and let your work be done in your way. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Thanks, y'all. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.